0: K-Pasa, Mufasa, welcome to the Micropreneur Podcast. We've got Andy Astra, known professionally as Spooky Girl, in the house today. What a treat. Andy's going to regale us with tales of how they came to dial into their style and what it's like creating art full-time in the digital age.
1: When I go back into drawing after a significant psychedelic experience, I will approach problem-solving differently, and I'll approach uh, the creative process differently, which I had like one pretty significant experience, I think it was a few years ago now, where I ended up producing, right after uh, the trip, like three illustrations for Spooky Girl that, to this day, are my best sellers on everything.
0: Thank you for joining us. As always, it's a pleasure to host this podcast for you. Please consider sharing this episode and rating and reviewing the podcast wherever you're listening. So without further ado, let's hear what Andy has to say. Hey, pasa, Mufasa, Andy Astra, known professionally as Spooky Girl. Welcome to the Mycopreneur podcast. How are things in your corner of the universe today, Andy?
1: Everything's going great. It's a good morning. It's a beautiful day.
0: Well, let's start from the origin story. How did you first get started with Spooky Girl? And I'm particularly interested in how you made the leap from side hustle, art as a passion project, to becoming a professional artist whose work is available all over the place now? Yeah,
1: you know, that's kind of the tough question, isn't it? Um, Well, I started Spooky Girl about probably six years ago now. And at the time, I had no idea, of course, what it was going to become. I was just uh, making an Instagram social media account and doing my own kind of themed like, style of sci-fi work under the name Spooky Girl. And I came up with the name Spooky Girl because of my favorite show, The X-Files, Um, which I was very into at the time, still am into it. Um, And Mulder, who's the one who's always chasing aliens, is called Spooky Mulder. So I always thought that was really funny, especially because the word spooky tends to be associated with, you know, usually things like horror and like scary, like witchy stuff. And so I always thought it was funny that in the X-Files they use spooky to refer to specifically like kind of that little characterization of aliens that they all make fun of Mulder for hunting after. So that was my idea for the name Spooky Girl. I wanted it to all be kind of like focused on aliens and sci-fi and everything. And I think that was a great strength at the time. You know, of course, I was probably like 21 when I started it. And it's been funny to have the name Spooky Girl like follow me through my 20s, you know, and kind of grow up with it and be like, okay, I really committed to that one. Um, But I think it was a strength for me to choose that name and start doing things kind of under that Uh, like spooky girl umbrella. I've always been really interested in sci-fi and aliens and like really fun fantasy colorful stuff so I think doing all that and putting it under the name of Spooky Girl when I did those years ago was a really great strength and one of the things that helped me with my branding and helped me kind of move forward in a cohesive way. Right
0: on. And I'm always curious about how people identify their personal aesthetic, because I think it's such a big thing as an artist, right, where you start creating and you're compelled to create and you make something and then sooner or later, you get defined in a way, and people come to identify you with this visual aesthetic. And in your particular case, are there any anecdotes or experiences that you can think back and reflect upon where you really were able to connect with who you were as an artist and really to solidify your visual aesthetic?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. It's funny because a lot of people ask me this, and I think one of my greatest, like, strengths as a person is that I've always just really known what I like. And I think if, if I had to pick, you know, I don't think I could pick a defining moment. But so much of my artwork is drawn from what I loved when I was a kid. Um, and I think that was just always something that was has been very like clear in my head like rainbows you know pink stuff sparkles like even like beautiful women in like outer space like that pin-up girl type stuff like it really all is tapping into this part of myself that I feel like I've always really known and I feel like that's one of my my biggest strengths and I probably can even go back and answer that question of one of the ways that I bridge the gap between you know so young between being a you know, artist as a hobby and artist as a professional is that I've actually always had this really clear vision of what I like. And when I first started Spooky Girl, I, I used to describe myself, I still describe myself as a very self-indulgent artist. People are like, oh, how do you know what to make? And I'm like, well, I just make what I like. And so like, I'll sit down, you know, totally zone out and create something that is just coming from like, you know, my inner child self, which is colorful, whatever. And I've been really fortunate enough and, you know, worked with enough amazing people that I think other people resonate with what is coming from me and they see that kind of genuine energy that is coming from this place where like I just love what I do and I've always loved these colors ever since I was a little kid. I mean I'm sure my bedroom when I was a kid would, like looked very similar to my art now, you know, stuff like that. So I, I've just been lucky in that I knew I think from a young age I didn't know that that was like going to be my career, but I knew what I wanted to be producing.
0: You know, so many artists talk about the importance of process, especially as you become more of a professional artist and you're starting to rely upon your art as opposed to, you know, being a side hobby, which is also totally awesome. I have so many friends who, like my wife, for example, great violinist, has no interest in pursuing a career in professional music, right? so. This idea of process, though, of needing to show up every day and needing to overcome these personal and professional peaks and valleys. So many people talk about that process as being what's able to get you through that. And like in my own case, part of that was consistency, right? As I started the podcast and I felt like I had something going and then I realized I can't just go like two or three weeks without putting anything out. Like I need to have a sort of consistency consistency. So over time, I've been able to define my process and learn about the environments where I'm able to fully show up, right, where I'm able to fully connect with and resonate with the stuff that I'm putting out to the world. I'd love to ask you about your process. Do you have a defined process? And can you walk us through a little bit how you go about creating spooky girl art?
1: I don't know if I really do have a defined process. I think that's something that I'm still working on. And I think for most artists, it's something that's like a lifelong thing. But I will say I had, I did notice. So I started doing Spooky Girl full time about three and a half years ago. And it was so strange to make that jump between it being my hobby and something I like I would come home from work and I would work on Spooky Girl all night long. Like it was just, I just loved doing it. It was like the way I would relax. And then when I made that jump to it being my full-time job, all of a sudden I, I didn't have a hobby anymore. And I didn't have like, at the end of the day when I would finish with my work with Spooky Girl, I wouldn't know, like I, I wouldn't have a wind down artistic, you know, I don't play the violin or I you know I didn't really do anything like that. So all of a sudden there was this kind of like gap in how I relaxed in an artistic way And, like, you know, I engaged that part of my artistic brain that, like, wasn't focusing on making stuff to make money all the time. And I will say that one of the things that I've learned over the last few years is that I do need to have at least one thing in my life that's, like, creative and doesn't have anything to do with Spooky Girl. So right now, I I picked up the—I live in Hawaii now, and I've been playing the ukulele for a couple years, and that's something I don't think I'll ever show anyone, but I really enjoy doing on my own. And, um, you know, I have a couple other things like that. Like I've gotten into writing a little bit more stuff that again, I'm not worried about showing anyone, but is what keeps my creative brain working. And so when I come back to spooky girl, because sometimes I'll have weeks like this is my full-time job. And one of the, you know, one of the pitfalls of it is that I sometimes I need money and I'm drawing from dawn till dusk for seven days in a row. And it can be really hard to like keep that inspiration I think again one of my strengths is that it's always coming from this very true place within me so I can kind of always just produce produce because I'm drawing what I love but I think the where the burnout happens for me is when I'm just kind of losing that like inspiration almost like you know like with a workout when you have to kind of warm up to get into it and then you're running a marathon and you're getting towards the end and you just don't feel it anymore so what keeps me like in it is having those hobbies where I'll take a break and I'll go and play the ukulele or, you know, read or write or something that like makes me look at the world in a little bit different way than like me drawing for seven hours. Cause I'll like get in the zone and like forget everything else. And that actually will, like hurt my process a little bit.
0: And speaking of that internal experience and looking at the world in different ways for so many artists around the world, increasingly so the psychedelic experience is a huge catalyst, right? Like In your own experience, have psychedelics been a catalyst for your art at any point? And can you tell us about maybe some of those experiences and how you were able to integrate them in an artistic capacity?
1: I've had maybe a few moments with psychedelics that I would say were catalysts for chapters in Spooky Girl. When I started Spooky Girl, I really wasn't into psychedelics at all. And I was really frustrated because I felt like I was kind of being boxed in. Again, I was producing art that I loved and I felt like it was only resonating with people like within the psychedelics community and I felt like at the time that meant it wasn't being taken seriously, which of course I've now learned, you know, and become a part of that community a lot more myself and had those moments. And it's just so funny like looking back at the beginning so that I really wasn't involved in any of that and didn't really even have those moments until a few years down the line. I will say one particular moment I had was I had this experience with LSD, which I try to do like once a year, once every few years, because I've, and another thing I've learned about myself, I'm very sensitive to visual stuff. I think that maybe comes with the artist's brain, but like when I have a psychedelic experience, it usually doesn't matter the amount, but I'll experience something like quite intense, like more than what my friends experience or the people that I'm with. And so it's usually a pretty profound experience for me. I'm totally unable to produce any art, no matter how hard I try, There's, I can't. It doesn't matter Like at what point in the trip. So that doesn't really work. But usually what I find is that it'll do, and what I use it kind of intentionally for now, is it'll do a, like a reset of my brain. When I go back into drawing after a significant psychedelic experience, I will um, approach problem solving differently. And I'll approach uh, the creative process differently, which I had like one pretty significant experience. I think it was a few years ago now where I ended up producing right after uh, the trip, like three illustrations for Spooky Girl that to this day are my best sellers on everything. And I don't know why. Like, I mean, they're really good, but like obviously I was tapped into something at the time. And when I came out of it, you know, my brain was restructured in this way that allowed me to... I don't even know tap into something a little bit different problem solve a little bit differently And so now I I tend to like I tend to not take psychedelics too often It's just not part of my like It's so intense for me that it's usually not part of my creative process on the regular on a regular basis But I do find that when i'm stuck artistically and i'm like At a point where you know, maybe I think all artists and creatives get to where like, you know, I, I hate all my work everything I'm doing is, I just feel like everything's terrible. Um, It's a great way to reset my creative brain. And I can't produce anything while I'm in it. But usually when I come out of it, the work that I produce, at least for a short while, is like a a level up moment, is what I call it. I usually will have a level up moment. And some problem that I've been having is fixed.
0: Love that. There's a Buddhist quote, muddy water sat still will clear. And that's always how I felt about psychedelic experiences, that I don't try to go into it with too much of an agenda. I have a very hyperactive mind, as I think a lot of artists and creative people do. And I find that with meditation and with being able to sit still and just relax a little bit, a lot of times these sort of solutions that you're looking for come to the forefront and all of the trivia, all of the mental chatter that you know can interfere with the creative process, that starts to you know get sidelined. You say, oh, that's not so important. That's not so important. Okay, why did I start creating art in the first place? And for me personally, I always feel this sense of connection with, spontaneity and a childlike view of the world. And I think that's where so much good art comes from, right? Where you're not interfering with yourself. You're not being such a harsh critic of yourself. So just my two cents, I wanted to chip in there. So speaking of working professionally as an artist and creating full time, the collaborative process is something that comes up a lot for people. And I'm always interested in the difference between how people approach solo projects and solo work. Versus collaborative work. And as an example, from my musical career, I've always felt as a songwriter, I feel really good about, you know, being able to sit down and write a song or produce something right that gets old quick. Uh, There's some magic that happens in the collaborative dynamic. And I would just love to hear from you. Is that something that you've actively explored? And how do you approach creating spooky girl art by yourself? versus engaging in a collaborative artistic process with someone? Are there a different, different ways that you approach it?
1: So I actually really haven't had a lot of opportunities to collaborate with other visual artists. And it's something that I'm really intentionally over the past year have been trying to find. I think moving to one of the most isolated islands in the world maybe didn't help my case uh, with that. It's so valuable to be in a creative space with other artists. And I think um, that's something that, studying art in college really helped me understand is like I would be struggling with something and then a friend of mine I would go to an art class and a friend of mine would take one look at my painting and be like oh that 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 could be different and it's you know just the having a different mind be a creative mind who thinks about things differently than you do but still in a creative way having that input on your own creative process I know is incredibly valuable but the truth is is I just haven't had very many opportunities to collaborate with many other artists. I find that like online and on my Instagram and my social media pages, I have amazing interactions with other artists and I feel like I have a really good like uh, peer community online, but that's something I'm actually really trying to seek out in the next year, you know, in the future as I move forward as an artist. I love working with other people. I love just being in that creative space with others. My husband is an artist, he's a woodcarver, and he always jokes, you know, I was reading through the questions last night and I was like, why don't we ever collab? And it's it's because he right now in his career, he's he, he's a carver and obviously I'm a visual artist, so it's a little bit different. But the truth is, is we just get into our own creative zones so often that like, we find, and what I find when I work collaboratively, what that usually looks like is just me creating with my own stuff within a space of other creatives where we can bounce ideas back and forth from each other. We can have that input. And that usually totally helps my creative process. But I haven't really done any real collabs with anyone in a long time.
0: Well that might be an opportunity on the horizon, right? I think that there's plenty of people who would love to get involved with Spooky Girl and collaborate together. So another thing as an artist, uh, of course, influences are so important, right? Like surely there was a point in time and hopefully there continues to be points where you really connect with another creator's work and they inspire you. And I've always looked at art and storytelling and the creative process as a sort of call and response, right? It's like if I'm ever stuck personally and uninspired, it's like I got to go connect with someone else who's putting out some shit that's really going to catch my attention. And, you know, I, I've realized that I, I think through things yeah. musically a lot. And there was a point in time when I was just kind of like listening to the same artists over and over. And I realized that's stagnancy, right? Like I should be seeking out new artists, seeking out new perspectives. And, and that's something I've really pushed myself to do. So like musically I've really dove into the catalogs of like Phoebe Bridgers recently, Julian Baker, I've rediscovered Bjork to a deeper level and I had to like, diversify who I'm listening to, right? And Like diversify styles of music, diversify like gender identities, diversify where, you know, ethnicities, where the music's coming from. So I'd love to hear from you, who are some of the artists that really resonate with you? Maybe some seminal artists that you connected with at a younger age and maybe some more recent artists that you've been turned on to who are inspiring your work.
1: I think initially and and just un- always a, a big underlying theme in my work is an obsession with kind of retro futurism. Huge inspiration to this day and early was uh, the old heavy metal magazines. And stuff like uh, old sci-fi work from artists like Frank Franzetta or even like, like my favorite movie ever is The Fifth Element which was really like kind of born out of that era of heavy metal with this like very pulp sci-fi kind of pop art in the 80s which at the time was like almost a little scandalous. I love that. I love the combination of like sexuality and sci-fi and comics that was born out of the heavy metal magazine. So that's a huge inspiration to me. I, I'm super into like that old vintage sci-fi art and retro futurism just because not only because of the artistic style which definitely influences me but also I'm so interested in this idea of what people in the past thought the future was going to be like aesthetically. I think it's a super fun thing to explore in my own work and it's just a great way to help like define, I think that's part of the reason that I've had success with Spooky Girl is these trends and looking to the past and looking to find new things within the past, I think helps define what we do going forward aesthetically as a culture as well. But recently, I had the opportunity uh, last November to do some work for Meet Delic. Um, they were having a conference in Area 15 in Vegas. Incredible experience. I had a great time, but one of the most Uh, One of the biggest things I I took away from was that space and the gallery space and the seriousness of the art there. And we, of course, went to Meow Wolf and everything within the building. Um, It was the first time I had ever seen art like mine taken seriously in the professional world. Of course, I've seen stuff online in that way. You know, know, I've, I've seen Meow Wolf and whatever, but it was my first time being... In a space like that, so Ali, I want to say Alume is his last name, who did Wink World, which is it was in Area Fifteen, has been a huge inspiration of mine for the past year as I've come away from that experience. Lauren East, who goes by uh, Squid Liquor on Instagram, she's a famous artist from from where I am now currently in Oahu, and she's doing work on Meow Wolf in Santa Fe right now, and uh, just an incredible artist, uh, incredible like queer. Uh, community member just the, the work that they're doing is like unbelievable um so I really walked away I would say one of the more defining moments in finding some artists that I'm really inspired by right now was actually going to that conference and experiencing area 15 and experiencing you know I think these artists who were professionals and taken seriously in the art world in the art gallery space because I was like laughed out of art school like to this day you know the people I went to art school with are like what are you even doing and so sometimes I need that like To be around those artists to like validate myself, you know, to be like this is real, this is a real thing, and there's room for this within the professional art world.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. I go to a lot of museums mainly when I travel. If I'm in Paris or New York City or whatever, I almost feel obligated to go to these fine art museums, and it's a very stuffy environment a lot of times. And I can get down for it. Like I want to learn, I want to visit these places. But I think a pivotal moment for me artistically was going to the Savannah College of Art and Design, and I was invited out there when I was teaching high school a couple of years ago, and I got to go to a New Frontiers festival, it was called, that was all about augmented reality, virtual reality, and kind of new media. And the Micropreneur podcast didn't exist at that point, but I was very interested in the idea of new media. Of you know, I have a degree in media studies, and some of my teachers were like, old guard writers for the San Francisco Chronicle, right? And things like that, like journalism, dinosaurs. And I started seeing the new wave of social media, right? I was an early adopter to YouTube and to Facebook and things like that. And I realized like, there's so much room for new media to be taken seriously. And I think the old guard, if you will, these old established institutions are starting to do that. Case in point, Johnny Harris is a favorite new media creator of mine. And he just won a primetime Emmy with the New York Times for a piece he did for us new creators. It's like, no, this is really cool because it's like one of us has been recognized by the old guard and they see that it can be serious and it can be impactful. So that's something I got really excited about. So another thing I always like to dive into when talking about process and talking about art is about the actual materials you use, right? And like I'm podcasting, I'm doing video production, I've very intentionally started to use more of an iPhone. And like we're doing this podcast just on the phone with Riverside right now because I am a firm believer in not needing this, you know, big, expensive setup. I don't think you need a huge studio, right, to make compelling content. I think you need to use the tools that you have available. And I'd love to hear from you. What are the mediums that you're working with? What are the paints? What are the brushes? Like what, what are the canvases? Can you walk us through a little bit some of these nuts and bolts of the mediums that you use?
1: Sure. So when I got started with Spooky Girl um, five or six years ago, like I said, I was working digitally, which at the time, even though it wasn't that long ago, was still pretty new. And I kind of had, was operating under the same mentality that you just described, where I was putting myself through college, I didn't have the financial support, and my degree is in literature and language, and my minor is in fine arts. But I got to this point in art school where I couldn't afford these materials. Like I, you know, I was always the kid that was like hanging around my professor being like, hey, you have any like extra paintbrushes I can use? You know, I just got to this point where it felt very like gatekept just to even participate in something like oil painting where you need $300 worth of supplies. And I just really didn't have that. That wasn't accessible to me at the time. So of course, you know, I figured out my way to kind of get past that in art school. But when I moved on from that, Uh, I started working digitally because I had everything. I didn't, you know, I didn't need all those materials. And what I would do is I lived in this amazing city at the time in Ann Arbor in Michigan. You could go to the library and check out a digital art tablet. And you'd have to put your name in and you could get it. So So once a month for a week, I would get it. And I would do all my work then. And that's when I kind of started my kind of journey into working digitally because of that reason, it allowed me to be able to have mobility. It allowed me to like, once I got past the initial cost of like the tablet, eventually the iPad and Procreate, um, I was able to take that anywhere I go and had access to any brushes, any colors, anything, and was able to kind of produce the art that I knew was in me, but I couldn't, I didn't have the studio and I didn't have the money and the supplies to do any of that. So I would say that working digitally, and again, getting started with all this five years ago, was I think how I got my following and how I've built myself up to the way that I am because at the time really nobody was doing that not very many people were and with my style I was one of the like kind of pioneers of that style that now you see all over the place Um, but since then in the past couple years that I've been able to kind of settle down a little bit and have a little bit more means and have a studio here in Hawaii um, I've used I probably use Posca markers the most I have did a a couple collaborative deals with them, but what I was doing when I was trying to get back into painting after being a digital illustrator for so long is I would do these prints on canvas, which some of these are back here, aren't paintings. They're big digital prints. And then I would go on the prints and start painting on them with Posca markers or paints or I use Liquitech acrylic paints and that was helping me kind of ease back into the world of like fine art and painting and merge my digital illustration with some more traditional stuff because that's where I was kind of struggling a little bit and then when I had my first gallery show it was really interesting because I was was still mostly a digital artist I was like okay so the challenge here is creating these digital pieces that I can, you know, then do a print of or customize that are going to be one of one and I ended up doing something similar where I would do these large scale canvas prints, customize them with Posca markers or paints, and then I would do resin pours over them so each piece really became a one of one piece. So now my process looks kind of a combination, looks like a combination of digital work and traditional painting. I've gotten a lot more into doing just just traditional painting over the past couple months, but it's not something I share too much. I'm starting to share a little bit more on my personal Instagram. I'm still kind of figuring out exactly what style I want to go with for my traditional um, painting. I find I love working on giant canvases, so that's something, like, that's what I love, but they're just sitting in my house now. Um, I tend to do a little bit more, a focus on like Hawaii imagery and botanicals and stuff like that with my traditional paintings. So I'm still kind of figuring out branding and figuring out, you know, how I'm going to be introducing that into my online presence. So right now my combination, my work is really a combination of digital and painting.
0: You know, we're all still trying to figure it out. I think that's one of the great parts of being a creative. It's like anybody who quote has it figured out is probably not going to be making the most awesome shit because I think it's this constant process of reinvention and trying things out. And like, and for my own project that I've been involved in for, for, from my own perspective, like you have to want to fail sometimes, right? Like if you get so comfortable all the time, I think that's where stagnancy happens. And so I'm constantly like, you know, I've been doing a lot of satire, and that's something that was a happy accident. It's something like some people look at the Instagram page or they look at Michael and they're like, "Oh, it's a meme page." I go, "Actually, no. Like, it started off as a podcast, and it still is a podcast, interviewing you know creative professionals and, and C level executives from large companies, but the satire." just came from experimenting one day and it ended up being really popular. So I went with it, right? Like, and at the same time, you don't want to get pigeonholed into something where if you create one successful character, do you want to just do that all the time? Or do you want to leave yourself room in the process to like continue to evolve and to continue to try new things? So you know, these these online communities are so important for an artist and for creative professionals these days because of distance, right? Being able to connect with people from all over the world, and especially during the pandemic, there weren't really any in-person events or anything. So like people were forced to go online and look for community. And I'm curious, are there any online art communities that you've been heavily inspired by or a part of? Instagram is one, of course. I saw that you mentioned you've been more active on TikTok. That's something that I got into over the last year. Behance is a good one. I've been really inspired by artists that I've seen on Behance who are you know, using that as their portfolio. I know there's DeviantArt. There's all kinds of other platforms. Can you talk a little bit about maybe some of the online platforms and communities that you've engaged with who have helped to evolve you as an artist?
1: So right now I find that I've had experiences in a lot of the communities that you're talking about. I smiled when you brought up Deviant Art because that was something I used to be really into when I was in college and high school and it just brings back a lot of good memories for me. It's really interesting because all these different communities and all these different platforms are all very different and it's something that I'm kind of like. I also do like social media and marketing and I help people grow their creative businesses and, you know, stuff like that. So I'm very like, I pay attention a lot to the differences between each community and the the differences in interaction on each social media platform. I would say probably my favorite right now, um, of course, are Instagram where I've had my like loyal following for the past five years. And I, I just find that like, you know after so long, the certain names and, like, these, these people I'm interacting with who comment on everything, like, they, they're like my friends, you know, and I even have found kind of camaraderie with these artists that I've never met in person, but who have similar styles to mine and have similar followings to mine and we will message each other about, you know, the ins and outs of you know, the community and whatever. And I, and I really enjoy that. It makes me feel like I have other, like, I'll be like, oh, that's my Instagram friend. And it's somebody I've never met. It's just like, we've just messaged a bunch of times, but you know, they'll also have a really popular page or whatever. Um, but uh, most recently over the past couple years, I've, I've really found a lot of inspiration specifically um, in TikTok. Hate to say it as a millennial, because I was one of the ones who was like, kind of dragging my feet about getting over there And it has been one of the catalysts for me kind of having that conversation that you just brought up of uh, the kind of change and the evolution because I found with the digital art, um, especially the type of work that I do, I can make a kind of a cool video of me drawing on my iPad, but it's not... As cool as like a video of me of my house or like my painting or like my studio or just me talking. And so all of a sudden with the introduction of TikTok, I have a lot of great content, but I had really spent five years hiding behind my artwork and behind pictures on Instagram. So it was kind of a big adjustment for me. Um, I was ready for it, and I think I have a lot of a lot to offer, so I wasn't really nervous about it. But I have, I find a completely different community on TikTok than I do on Instagram with almost the same subject matter. It's just a little bit different. Where like Instagram tends to be people who are just in it for my digital work love that, and I love the interaction that I have with them, Um, but they just kind of are there to see what I produce and to share the messages and to be like, cool, that's awesome, and maybe buy a print, you know, maybe have those interactions with other artists, but TikTok is where I I connect with a community I find more because it's just more real, and I find my strength is just kind of sharing whatever comes to mind, whether it's talking about an artist that inspires me or sharing a painting process video or... You know, who even knows what? And then I get these intera- interactions with other people who are suggesting other artists that I might be inspired by, who are linking me to a page. And the page is, instead of just showing their work, is showing all their process videos. So now I'm seeing this, you know, tip that I maybe never thought of before. Um, and TikTok has become something that... I used to go to Pinterest, but, like, part of my creative process, I would say, that I have locked in, is before I, I work, I usually take 10 to 30 minutes to, to get some inspiration. And usually what that looks like for me is I'm a competitive person and it's so funny because I was never into sports or anything. I was always like one of those kids that was really competitive about really weird stuff like art that you can't be competitive about. And so I'd be like, I can draw that. And then I would go and like, you know, if I'd see something that another kid was doing or another artist and I'd be like, well, I can do that better. It's not about that and I couldn't do it better. But usually that's the type of thing that will inspire me is I'll get on TikTok and I'll see somebody doing something really cool. i like, I can do that. And then it usually, like, will kind of kickstart my own creative process, because that video format kind of allows, I think, this really interesting and really real glimpse into the creative process of, like, almost any artist that's producing on TikTok now, where Instagram didn't really do that. It really, not up until now, was mostly just you're seeing the finished work, and maybe every once in a while you're seeing a, like, behind the scenes, but it's been really interesting to see the differences in the communities on TikTok and
0: Instagram. I couldn't agree more. It's an area of fascination for me. You know, I study media. My wife and I have a sole proprietorship, small media company where we produce podcasts for academia and for, you know, do videos. We did the whole wedding industry hustle and then quickly graduated from that and decided, you know, we're doing more boutique branding and stuff like that. But that dif- the differences between these platforms, it's fascinating to see. And I'm really enjoying making and connecting with short videos, like short form video content. Because we had a YouTube channel for years and I really enjoyed making those videos. But to be competitive on YouTube, you had to make these kind of longer videos with longer watch time. It took so much time to make a good, you know, 15 minute video. And I always felt like, wow, you could tell a compelling, captivating story in a minute. And lo and behold, here reels are right. And for me, it's like, I want to tell good stories with good production value, but I don't want to do it in 20 minutes. You know, I want to get straight to the point. So. You know, and obviously maybe that's going to involve more. I think with TikTok, you know, there's always people talking about you need seven second videos, 10 second videos. And and I look at it as like a little riddle that you solve. Like, how can I create engaging content that reflects what I'm doing? And that sort of fits in with this niche that I've picked. So it's an ongoing project, right? So, you know, I, I. I've mentioned that uh, music is a huge thing for me and I think for a lot of artists. And I'd love to hear if you had any particular artists or any musical inspirations that inspire you to create and people who you've really connected with in the musical world that kind of drive the Spooky Girl process.
1: Oof, I definitely have artists that I really love and I really love listening to. I'm not sure if I have any specific artists that have inspired Spooky Girls specifically, but I will say an artist that I'm really, Into right now, and definitely being in the islands for the past three years has influenced my taste in music in a way that I was not anticipating, which I'm really enjoying. Um, Definitely listening to more like islandy, like Caribbean, like uh, folky type stuff. But um, an artist I'm really into right now is called Sammy Ray and the Friends, and they're based in NYC, and it's this really amazing like folk rock, uh, queer, just girl. Power band and I just totally and they're kind of islandy which is how I like found them in, in, initially but I was just really attracted to uh their music because it's very upbeat it feels like summer and it feels like summer here all the time so that's something that I really like I struggled with at first being from the midwest but now I try to find inspiration from that all the time I like feeling like every day it's kind of the end of like a long sleepy summer day so the music and the Art and TV and stuff, I try to surround myself with. I try to kind of like perpetuate that feeling of this like perpetual summer because I use that as inspiration for my work, I think. But I would say Sammy Ray and the Friends, her music is super fun and it's really um, islandy and it's really positive. She did a couple of songs over COVID about kind of just like, you know doing whatever you want for yourself and not for anybody else. And, you know, she has just like these, I think another song of hers that I like talks about how she has her favorite like denim jacket and it's like her power jacket. And like every time, you know, she comes into a situation that's like frustrating or overwhelming. She just like puts on her her jean jacket. So it's like pretty simple stuff like that. But I love that.
0: One thing I wanted to mention when we were talking about the, the, differences between like just always promoting your art specifically versus showing who you are and showing your house and showing more about your life is I've been able to connect with a couple of musicians that way who maybe I don't even particularly love their music, but now I have a lot more respect for them as an artist. And examples of that are like Steve Aoki and Diplo, who are like people that I don't really go and put on major laser music or Steve Aoki music, but I saw a couple of their behind the scenes tour videos and documentaries and I just really connected with them. I thought, wow, these people are so fun. Everything they're doing is so fun. I like everything they're about, the intersection between art and the visual dynamics and the audio component and the live show. And that's something that I've tried to embrace in my own work is like, I don't wanna just always go out there and promote my or like Dennis Walker. Like you wanna kind of show your regular life. Like I like to show people my dog, Rupert, right? I like to show people kind of the mess the disarray that I live in. Like, I don't have a super polished, figured out approach to everything. You know, sometimes I'm intimidated because I see these professionals in the industry uh, and the creative industry. and like, they're so highly curated. Their houses are immaculate and they've got their plants and their curtains and their background. And then I see other people and I'm like, oh, this person is someone who's, you know, creating and they're constantly surrounded by a mess. And, you know, that's part of what I feel like, right? Like I don't have the most Visually appealing aesthetic or background or whatever. But, anyways, I just think it's really cool when you start connecting with people beyond the promotional aspect when they're just trying to always, you know, promote, promote, promote. It's like, what about the whole person? What about the whole, you know, life that you're going through? Because that's something that can resonate with me. I just wanted to mention that. So, we've kind of hit the sweet spot here, but I really want to ask you about ongoing projects that you're involved with. You mentioned that you had a chance to do some art for Meat Delic. You've got a couple of promotions going on right now, speaking of promotions, and you know, you've got your new lifestyle on the island, listening to all the music. Uh, wh- what are some of the ongoing projects you're involved with and things that folks can look forward to on the horizon for Spooky Girl?
1: Yeah, so this month we're doing a lot of really fun stuff. I'm doing some really fun, like, uh, spooky, witchy-themed drawings for the month and also for my Patreon, which I've gotten into a lot over this past year. And Patreon has been a totally new journey for me. As somebody who has like never really done anything like that before, but I'm I'm about a year in and I'm really loving it and I can definitely see myself kind of pivoting towards even putting more energy into it. I want to do over the next few months things like custom. I'm working with a new printer, so I'm doing like custom sticker sheets, which is a dream of mine. Doing, doing more like Lisa Frank style, like school supplies, stuff like that. Um, so I'm going to be getting into that a little bit over the next few months. And then also just doing some fun like uh, space witch themed drawings, which has been my followers have been very interested in lately, which I'm really enjoying. I I don't really see um, a lot of that theme online, like kind of this combination you can kind of see in this alien girl back here. But like this combination of like this really soft, beautiful, like feminine figure combined with this like witchy kind of dark and then combined with sci fi, which like I'm so into because I feel like especially with my... Kind of islandy life, like my life is a combination of like fantasy and sci fi, and that's my favorite, like cross genre. So, that's kind of, I think, over the next year, more of the direction I'm going to be taking. And I am taking Spooky Girl because um, the original style that I think I created five years ago is now being copied and played out so many times, which I love to see. And I'm happy to see younger artists exploring that. Um, but that kind of space, which thing, which I'm going to be kind of pushing heavily this month for spooky season is going to be kind of the theme of the next year as we kind of move forward. And I'm excited about that. I've been doing more stuff like that. Um, yeah, no, I'm still navigating a little bit uh, being on the island. I'm from Detroit and in Detroit I was doing a lot of in-person events and gallery shows and there was a lot of space kind of for the psychedelic, in the psychedelic art world. And here where I am right now, there's not really a space for that. So I have been spending the last year kind of working to create a space for that and to find a space where my art can fit in, but also to build a community. I'm working on building um, an artist collective and kind of gathering the people that I know and I've met and the artists on the island who are into this type of art together. So we've been doing some kind of interesting, just little like, you know, meetups and stuff like that. I'm hoping to do more like classes and more like practical art classes and stuff in the next year coming up. Um, But in general right now, I'm just working on some cool spooky stuff for the month. I've got a really big sale going on in my shop, um, 25% off pretty much everything. I'm kind of just trying to start fresh next year, so I'm kind of trying to move my inventory. And we've done some cool stuff with some of the older things that we've had. Like we did some cool bleach-dyed shirts and just some, like, refreshed some cool products. Um, But, yeah, I'm working on doing some shows and stuff on the island which is a very different experience and that's kind of defining a little bit the evolution of my work so i can't even really say too much about it just that things are changing a little bit in that way um but yeah
0: wonderful andy astra aka spooky girl thank you so much for joining us on the micropreneur podcast i've had a blast getting to know more about you and your work and i wish you continued prosperity in all of your pursuits
1: thank you you as well
2: there's so much to cover in the mushroom universe, and so many mycopreneurs leveraging the infinite potential of fungi to create a more ecologically balanced, inclusive, and equitable world for all of us mischievous little monkeys. I am completely stoked that you've chosen to spend some of your hard-earned time in our little corner of the mycoverse. Hop on the gram, say what's up. At Mycopreneur Podcast. that's the handle, don't get it twisted. We've got the full suite of social media up and running. Twitter, Mycopreneur. Got the YouTubes dialed in, Mycopreneur. Drop us a line. Tell your grandma and your kooky uncle. Tell your wife and your kids. If you're a Mycopreneur yourself, you want to hop on the pod, by all means, bienvenidos. welcome. Don't be a stranger. Let us know your thoughts on this episode. And also let us know what you want to hear in future episodes. This is a team effort. Thanks for stopping by the Micropreneur podcast. Have a lovely day. We'll see you back here next week.